Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram's at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 129. We're back at it. Tuesday night. And once again, a lot of things to debate because there's some interesting rules in MLB. We're seeing in spring training right now. And we got to talk about them. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Other stuff We're too. We're going to be talking about the Bears and their potential decisions with the number one pick and who might be going up to go grab that pick in a potential trade. And one of our conversations that we've had with our friends over this past week has been ranking our like top five to top 10 NBA players. So we'll be doing that. Currently, not all time. Yeah, we've done that show. in the past. That's for right. another day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, let's get right into it with the opener and what we thought was the best thing that happened this past week. And I'm going with Clay, uh, picking it up in these last two games for the Dubs in a time that they needed the most. Uh, primarily, this most recent game against Minnesota, where the Warriors were down like 10 points going into the fourth quarter. They had a great fourth quarter, uh, led by Clay and his 32 total points to get the win over Minnesota. And then just a couple nights before that, he had 42 against the Houston Rockets and the Dubs, 116 to 101 victory there. Uh, and I expect him to have another big game tonight against the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. Uh, the best thing I saw this weekend, also some basketball. Sunday, there were a lot of great games, man. But for me, it was the Nuggets-Clippers game. Uh, Denver wins in overtime by 10, but this game was awesome. Man, we we saw Jokic 40-point a triple-double. Kawhi was playing great, too. The Clippers were down pretty much from the start. They were down big after the first couple of minutes, but uh, they forced OT. And uh, it's just nice to see some some competitive basketball at this point in the year. We This is usually where we see some guys take a rest, stop playing defense. Days. But I, I, I'm glad to see Kawhi still out there uh, doing his thing because we're a little worried about him. That's another conversation I think we have with our friends is Kawhi, you know, just – like taking a rest until the playoffs. What the hell is going on? Yeah, he's starting to tune it up, though, which is good to yeah. see. Uh, we'll see if he makes our top 10 players list because mm-hmm. uh, he's a name that could be a fringe guy on that. Uh, moving on to our Immaculate Sports Player of the Week, another possible top 10 dude, a guy who dropped 71 yes. a couple of days ago. Me and Skyler didn't talk about this, but I felt like he was the right guy to choose for this. On Sunday Absolutely. night, Damian Lillard dropped a cool – 71 points against the Houston Rockets went 22 of 38 from the field 13 from 22 from three 14 of 14 from the line six rebounds six assists in the Portland Trailblazers 131 to 114 victory over the Rockets 71 points I remember when Devin Booker scored 70 points a couple years ago and we were like oh my gosh like this seems so like impossible that somebody would actually do this like Again, pretty much. And Donovan Mitchell did it a couple months ago. And then Damian Lillard did it on Sunday night. It's crazy to see yeah. the scoring just flurry that we're seeing in the NBA right now. And it, like you said, it's not even the lead for the season. He's tied with Donovan Mitchell, also yeah. 71 this year. Ridiculous. Yeah. It's. I saw a stat that was on, I believe it was a game before the All-Star break. So like last Thursday or whatever it may have been. Uh, where they were talking about, and they showed a graphic where there has been more 40-point games by a specific player this year than there's ever been in a season. And it was at okay. the All-Star break. We still have another two months of the season to go. 
And I, that record is going to be completely shattered. So whether this is just how the new NBA rocks, where guys get crazy hot and they just keep on scoring all night long, or something changes, we'll see how it goes. But it's pretty fun to watch right now, but it unfortunately does make these high-scoring games feel less special because they're mm. happening so often. Bring back hand-checking. Moving on to team reports now, as far as the Jets and the Raiders go, we're in late February right now. The combine will start later this week, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything you want to report about the Jets, or what well, do you got there? We still don't have our veteran quarterback that we've been seeking, but we are supposed to have another meeting with Derek Carr in Indy at the combine. And that's the latest. I haven't heard anything about anybody else. I, I actually, there is one thing I've heard is that a lot of, uh, media guys and other teams are annoyed that they can't find out information about Lamar Jackson because they, he doesn't have a, you know, a rep, uh, a rep. So you could go talk to and try to find some information. That's what everyone else does. You know, Oh, rumor that this guy is leaning this way. It's from, it's from the agent. So none of that, which is weird, but uh, that's it for the jets. Nothing else going on for us. We just sit back and wait, man. Yeah, I was going to say the Lamar Jackson story this year has been pretty hush-hush as far as his contract goes or any of that stuff. Uh, but I assume it will be one of those things where out of nowhere, breaking, blah, 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 Lamar Jackson traded, signed, or yeah, signs an extension, whatever it may be. Uh, for the Raiders, nothing too crazy. Josh McDaniels did say at the Combine that the QB will fit the system. Said that. So it looks like Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be our quarterback. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which I hope isn't true. Uh, so hopefully we go do something else and draft a guy or pick up Aaron Rodgers, whatever it is. But uh, I do not want Jimmy Garoppolo to be our main guy going into this into this season. That would not be the most fun thing for us to do. Uh, but besides that, nothing. Uh, maybe we'll see some more stuff as this next month goes on. Uh but it's time for us to do the A's report, yeah. something that has not happened in a long time since it's been the offseason. We've talked about some various things throughout the offseason, though, with the A's bringing guys in and sending guys out. Uh, but it's time to look at how the team has been through the first four spring training games. So I have the stats in front of me. Uh, and maybe after this, you can touch up on what you think yeah. has stood out to you or disappointing to you, whatever it may be. But I'll go over some of the stats so far. Uh, one of the main stories of spring training this far has been the young A's and how they have been doing Denzel Clark, Lawrence Butler, Shay Langoliers, Zach Galoff, Tyler Soderstrom. Shay doesn't really fit into that prospect category anymore, but he's still a young guy, of course. Uh, and those dudes have been playing really, really well. Lawrence Butler's currently three for four with the Homer and three RBIs as well as two doubles. Denzel Clark's four for four. Uh, I know Tyler Soderstrom is only one for five, but he has five at bats already at this point. And Zach Galoff is one for six, but he's getting at bats, which is good to mm-hmm. see. Uh, and Lawrence Butler said yesterday that he wants the new generation of these A's players to be called the new Oakland, uh, which I kind of like. And the A's having that dude that has a swagger on and off the field is something we've been needing for a while. Not at this point, because even though we've had good players, they've always been head down, you know, not in the media players. And I think that's exactly what Oakland needs is a guy that kind of, you, you know, brings some media attention towards us. Uh, some other players to talk about Shea specifically four for six so far with the homer and two doubles. Ryan Noda, our rule five draft pick is 
three for seven so far with the home run. Connor Cable, two for three with three walks already. Jace Peterson has five RBIs and a home run in his only six at-bats so far. One of the A's pickups in this offseason. Uh, looking on the pitching side of the ball now. Uh, let me pull this up on here. Kyle Moeller started a game, pitched pretty well for us. Shintaro Fujinami started today, had yeah. a little bit of control issue, uh, but got through two innings scoreless with three strikeouts. Uh, Adam Moeller got roughed up a little bit, but had four Ks in two innings. Uh, Drew Rudzinski, who we signed from Korea, I believe, uh, in this offseason, mm-hmm. got roughed up and did not pitch good. Freddie Tarnock, who was in the Sean Murphy trade, pitched two innings, one hit, didn't allow a run, two Ks, which was good there. Uh, Ken Waldachuk pitched today, did not have the greatest appearance, uh, but then again, it's only his first outing of the spring. Uh, but a decent start for a lot of the guys in the A spring training camp, which mm-hmm. is good to see. Yeah. Um, you ready for trivia? Oh, wait, no, sorry. Are, I do. I, sure. Uh, I haven't been able to watch as much as I would like because I've been working a lot uh, other than than Sunday. But the one thing I've heard from some of these guys we picked up is the advanced approach at the plate. And that's what I've seen from guys like specifically Denzel Clark, like you said, Ryan Noda, Jace Peterson. That really excites me. And what's disappointed me is some of the the other top prospects we traded for. You know, I see Asturio Ruiz hasn't gotten a hit yet. And uh, someone like Darnell Ayaz, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, I don't think he's playing. I haven't seen his name at all. I don't think he's in the camp. surprises me. He's just a little bit young, I think, though. Okay, okay. That makes sense. But uh, those are pretty much the only things I'm worried about because it's just spring. You know, it is just spring, which is good to see. Uh, But that's also a good thing to see that it is spring. Uh, And it makes me think about some of our prospects and our trivia question this week. Oh, shit. Takes us back to 2013, Skylar. Yeah. Ten years ago. Yes. I want you to name as many of the top 10 A's prospects that we had in 2013. I will put two minutes on the clock and I'll, I'll give you a hint. There is one, two, three, four, five, six, top 10 only seven guys that had an appearance with the A's. Okay. Fuck. All right. You ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Let's go. Addison Russell. Addison Russell is the number one guy. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> uh, let's see here, man. Uh, was Chad Pinder there yet? Chad Pinder was not in the top 10. Marcana? Marcana was a Rule 5 draft pick in 2015. So Thank you. No. Um, Olsen and Chapman weren't there yet. Olsen was there. He was number okay. 5. Okay. Uh, let me think of some pitchers. Um, think of somebody who came up around then that was big for us. Pitched in the playoffs that year in 2013. Zero zero game in the ninth inning until Stephen Vogt walked it off. Who Sonny started Gray. that game? There we go. Thank you. That's number six. <laughs> um, uh, two through four yeah. are dudes that were big prospects for us, but didn't really pan uh, out too well. Okay. Um, Grant Green, or is that yep, too early? Grant Green is yes. number one. He's number four. 
Okay. Um, Jamal Weeks. Jamal Weeks is actually not on this list. Wow. I think he came up in 2012. So okay, it's a year too late at this point. Okay. Chris Carter. Chris Carter is not on this list. He okay. was on the 2012 one though. All right, that makes sense. Um, thirty seconds. I'm trying to think of some more pitchers. Graveman wasn't there yet, right? Correct. He was not there yet. We have one, two pitchers that you have not named yet. Okay. Ten seconds. Brett Anderson. Brett Anderson is not. Trevor Cahill. He was already in the bags. Um, That's a good list, man. Final guess. My final guess will be. I don't know if I can do it. Got no more guesses? Be tapping out. Let's keep it moving. I I, I could right. I could if I thought for another five minutes, but so you got four of them, which limit. is pretty solid considering okay. 2013 prospects knowledge is 10 years ago now at this point. Yeah. You got the number one Addison Russell, number four Grant Green, number five Matt Olson, and number six Sonny Gray. Uh number 10 was Nolan Sandburn. No idea. No uh, number nine was Miles Head, who I've never heard of. Yeah, no idea. Number eight, this guy had a cup of coffee with the A's and then went to the Orioles, Renato Nunez. Guy uh, probably probably could have got. Daniel Robertson was number seven. He was a, he's been a utility man a little bit around a few yeah. teams. Sonny Gray six, Matt Olson five, Grant mm. Green four. Number three was Michael Choice. Oh, uh, man. Who we thought was going to be a stud <laughs> uh, ended up not being a stud at Gotta all. Block him from my memory. Number two was Dan Straley, <sighs> who had a cup of coffee with the A's maybe a year or two. That's the one I was trying. To, I was trying to find the guy who was the top prospect who didn't pan out. Yeah, was decent the career with Houston, but yeah. not anything crazy living up to his hype. Mm-hmm. And then Addison Russell, who wasn't with us, but obviously was a World Series champion in Chicago before he. Uh, did some questionable things. Yeah. Uh, but that's today's trivia question, and we'll see what there holds in episode 130. Let's get to football though. Talking about the Bears last week and the number one pick. Let me pull up the draft order because that kind of breeds what teams might be interested in trading up for a pick like this. Uh, So as of right now. Chicago one, Houston two, Arizona three, Indianapolis four, Seattle five, Detroit six, Las Vegas seven, uh, Atlanta nine, Carolina, well, no, Atlanta eight, Carolina mm. nine, Philly ten. Who do you think trades up for this number one pick? And is it going to be a good move or a bad move? What, what, what do you think? I think it's got to be Indianapolis. You know, Shane Steichen has said, since he's been there, which is a short time, but still, he's looking for his franchise quarterback. He's not on the roster right now, and that's obvious. And the reason why I think this is a good move for Chicago, too, is because they're close enough to get a good defensive player that's not Will Anderson at the four spot. Or if you want to trade down really badly, you can just do it again. You're not risking that much trading down to the four spot. Uh, unless Houston gives you something crazy to move up one spot to get their guy quotations. Um, I think it's got to be Indianapolis and it's probably going to be a good move for both sides unless they end up taking Anthony Richardson or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think uh, there's seven teams that stand out to me as these teams have a chance to go up to the number one pick, whether it's the heavy favorite or a surprise, whatever it is. And here are my seven teams. Uh, the least likely team I have the Bucks. I think there's a shot in whatever that they just say, fuck it, let's go ahead and do this. But likely that's not going to happen. Uh, number six, I have the Raiders, another team. They probably could trade up if they wanted to, but just before they are in the draft, it doesn't really make sense in there unless they're in love with like a Stroud or a Bryce Young. Uh, number five, I have the Texans. I think it would be a little interesting for them to trade up one spot unless they are starstruck on Bryce Young or CJ Stroud, just mm-hmm. like pretty much any of these teams in here. Uh, number three, I have, or number, oh, there's six teams. I didn't have a number four. Uh, so I guess we'll skip. <laughs> Number four and move on to number three uh, where I have the Titans. The Titans are a team that, you know, their future isn't really in the best spot right now. Uh, They just freed up a ton of money by cutting a whole bunch of guys. And if they want to go ahead and, you know, kind of kickstart their future, maybe they might have to trade a Jeffrey Simmons or a Monty Hooker or whoever it may be on their defense. They can go ahead and do that if they really want to. I heard they could trade up if Stroud falls. Yeah. So not number one, but to another spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I have the Panthers. I think they have a pretty easy trade package with their yeah. pick uh, and maybe Brian Burns or another pick in there as well, too, that can move up to the number one spot. And I think that's something Chicago would be like, yeah, let's go mm-hmm. ahead and do that. Uh, and then number one is the Colts. As far as the pick goes, they're not going to have to give up anything super, super crazy. They're still going to have to give up a lot. Don't get me wrong, but they're only moving up a few spots. So it's not like the Panthers or the Bucks where they'd have to move up, you know, five, 10 spots at this point. Uh, they'd probably have to give up a decent player in the trade or maybe a, f- a few years of picks, whether that be first or second round, whatever it is. But the Colts make a lot of sense because the veteran quarterback decisions that they've been going on for the last few years don't make sense. I think Jim Mercer is the type of dude that would be like, yeah, trade up for one. We need the publicity of all this stuff. Uh, and uh <laughs> I think we'll probably see the Colts picking number one. I wouldn't be shocked about that. Yeah, unless the Bears really like Will Anderson. Exactly. They got to love Will Anderson, think he's Lawrence Taylor or something like that. Moving on to the MLB talk back uh, uh, with the MLB pitch clock and how we just our, our thoughts and evaluation on that so far in the first four days. We've seen the game end on a pitch clock violation and yes. in a tie, actually, which is pretty interesting. Uh, just casual spring training stuff. But what do you think about the pitch clock so far? I'm going to go in a lot of different directions here. So feel free to chime in whenever you want. We could do mm-hmm. back and forth or something here. But yeah, so far, I like it. It feels smoother in game. It's going by quicker. Maybe that's just because I like to move fast when I was on the mound. But, uh, you know, a lot of players interviewed. Most of them seem to like it. Even I, I saw Kluber today was pitching for Boston. And he said, yeah, I just got to, you know, clear my mind a little bit. So I'm not thinking about only what pitch I'm going to throw next, but also thinking about the clock. Uh, but there are some factors we got to know here. Number one is the MLBs had a 12 second pitch clock in every stadium since 2016. It's not a foreign topic here. It just hasn't been enforced. I think that's important. Everyone should know that. Number two is the human factor here. People forget these players are human. You know, a lot of these early situations, I don't think it's about the rule necessarily, just that 
it's not programmed in the brain yet. People yeah, they played this game for their entire life, and then something yeah. I don't know about drastically changes, but something changes from what you're used to. Sometimes you forget about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, number three, certain umpires will never back away from their time to shine. That's always uh, something you should keep in mind when we're talking about MLB baseball. Yeah. Um, they're going to figure it out. Maybe some tweaks here and there over the next couple of years. Uh, for stolen bases, I agree. It could seem a little easy to time. But, you know, just for example, no one liked when the NFL put in the play clock. Uh, now they have delay games all the time. It's just a part of normal strategy. I think that's what they're trying to do here. It may seem a little weird at first, but they're trying to make it just a regular part of the game. And we know teams like Tampa Bay are going to take advantage every time they get. And, uh, you know, that, that's kind of how New England was in in NFL. And um, I don't think it's that big of a deal. And we're going to figure it out, obviously, these next couple of years, especially, uh, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, people are complaining. But uh, that's what I think about it. Yeah, we're definitely going to get some old heads with the there's no time in baseball, anything <laughs> like that. Uh, there's no clock in baseball, whatever that saying is. Uh, there's going to be some people that get mad at that. Uh, however, I think for the overall boost of stuff, it should be a net gain, I would want to say, uh, which is a popular phrase for me. It's kind of the net gain. Uh, however, I don't think this is going to pull in like a crazy amount of more fans. Like no. this isn't going to do anything in general. I think it's just going to lubricate the game a little bit better. So it goes by smoother and it's not as crazy as Skylar is just. Giving me a crazy face right now, but I think it's going to be a bit smoother than, than what it was. I saw, I'm sure if you've been on Twitter, you've probably seen the Pedro Baez throwing one pitch in the NLCS that mm. took like two minutes because he picked off twice and, you know, stepped off four times or whatever it was compared to a guy throwing a full inning, like not yeah. cut up at all, but all a full straight one inning in spring training this year. So it's definitely going to make the game go by, go by faster, which is pretty good to see. Uh, but there's going to be some instances throughout the time of the year where there's going to be something crazy that happens because of it, whether it's a walk-off, walk-off pitch clock violation or some guy gets out in a postseason game and the game's over because of it or whatever it is. One thing is at least going to happen that's crazy this year and there's going to be a lot of backlash when it happens, but we just got to get used to it. It's going to take a couple years for it to fully, fully fit in. Yeah. And I don't mind it. So All four right. games into spring training, though, we've had some crazy stuff, uh, not just with the pitch clock, but a lot of players are going ham. Some players are not going ham. Uh, and some teams in general look a little bit better or a little bit worse than what we thought they were going to be. Uh, so let's get into some Spring training overreactions. I have three. Skyler should have three as well. Yes, sir. What's your first spring training overreaction? My first overreaction is that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will win the AL MVP. Step aside, Judge Trout and Otani. Jr. has hit two absolute moonshots in his three games already. And Toronto's hunting, man. They're got to be a little pissed off. Last year was supposed to be their year. Judge and the Yankees kind of stole it away from them. They're going to be back. 
My number one overreaction is Ronnie Mauricio is breaking out this year. Shortstop prospect for the Mets has hit two nukes in his first three games in spring training in the Grapefruit League this year. Uh, The thing with Ronnie Mauricio is that he's always been this very skinny, you know, just a stereotypical like 17, 18 year old Dominican shortstop where they're super stringy, but they're very, very tuned and they're six, three, like one eighty five, whatever it is. But he filled out quite a bit this year and he looks like he can hit some nukes. Uh, So I look out for him breaking out. The other guy is Heston Kerstad because he hasn't played too much over these past few years. I believe he had a heart condition after he was taken. I think it was second overall by the Orioles in the 2019 draft. I want to say, but he's eight or not eight for five, four for five with two homers already this spring. And he's good for him, man. He's gonna be good. Uh, it just yeah. might might not be this year, but he's gonna break out at some point. All right, number two for you, Skyler. My number two overreaction: Nathan Avaldi gets back to the All Star game. Two no-hit innings with four Ks this weekend. He's got a chip on his shoulder in a new city with no identity. I don't know how much of an overreaction it is to say a guy makes the all-star game who has before in the past, but Avaldi could be just as valuable as DeGrom this season. Considering if DeGrom gets hurt, like yeah, he yeah. always is. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two for me is the Padres have the best offense in baseball. So far, they've put up 39 runs in five games. And I know spring training games are a little bit sloppy where you see some more runs scored. But you just look at the top five or six guys in this lineup with Bogart, Satiz, Soto, Machado. It's going to get scary in San Diego. And I think the Padres might have the best offense in baseball. I'm all right with that. Number three. My third overreaction, Kyle Schwarber falling apart. 0 for 6, four strikeouts so far this spring. The shift is gone, but it doesn't matter if you can't make contact, Kyle. This could be a big reason why Philly does not return to the playoffs. Kyle Schwarber Ooh. falls apart. So do the Phillies. Wow. I'm calling a team falling apart, and that is the Mariners in 2023. I think their lineup isn't as good as what everybody is looking at them for uh ty france i like him but i don't think he's an advocate of a season jp crawford isn't that good offensively julio is great Teoscar hernandez is solid as well but they just don't have the offensive firepower to keep up in the al west with the moves that the angels made i know everybody says every year that the angels they made these crazy moves and they're going to be good but they made the right moves This offseason, picking up Brandon Jury, guys like that, who fill the holes of their bottom half of the lineup that was worst in the MLB probably over these last like eight seasons now at this point. They filled up their bad spots. The Rangers added a ton of pitching. The A's, you know, we're not going to be great, but I think we'll be a pest few for a few teams in the division this year. And the Astros have had the Mariners number for a while. And I know you're playing less games against the, your division this year but you're still playing 50 against them. So I'm saying the Mariners will not make the playoffs in 2023. Let's move on to halftime. Okay. We'll start off halftime with some more NFL draft talk. I got some running back rankings here. I'm going to do my first five guys, the rest, as we get closer, maybe I'll post them on Twitter. You know, I just, I just feel like it's not as necessary to do all, all 10 running backs. So we'll start from the top, actually, instead of the last time when we did quarterbacks starting from 10. Number one 
it's Bijan Robinson from Texas. Man, this is your Saquon type type running back. You don't see these guys every year, only every couple of years. And um, and this guy's probably going to be worth whatever top 20 pick he gets taken at. Um, and number two guy, Jameer Gibbs, Alabama. Very fast, very shifty. Alvin Kamara, um, transfer from Georgia Tech, and he just took over at Alabama. And uh, it was kind of a down year for them, but an up year for Gibbs. Number three, maybe a shocker here for some people. I got Tajay Spears from Tulane. If you remember, this is the kid who had 200 yards, four touchdowns against USC in the Cotton Bowl. He's your your classic one-cut Matt Forte type of running back. One guy missed and he's gone. Can also catch, too. Uh, number four, Devin Achane. Achane. Mm. I, th- I think it's Achane, actually. Texas A&M. He's the fastest guy in this class. He's your Pacheco type of guy. You know, I have him ranked a little higher than where he probably go, but someone's going to take a shot, and uh, who knows how long the wheels will go, but they will go very quickly at first. And number five, I have Zach Charbonnet, UCLA. He's your bully guy. He's your Damian Pierce of this year. A uh, lot of miles, but he's a tough kid. So that's the five. Like I said, we could go – go longer on Twitter maybe as we get closer, but I get, there's no need. After the combine this week, maybe it changes too. So I, I felt like there's no need to talk anymore about the running backs. Um, and the last thing in halftime, college baseball, week two, just a, a little update on some of the rankings here. Uh, LSU is going to stay at number one. They've been solid, man. They did drop a game, but they're not going anywhere. Uh, Stanford yeah. also stays the same, five and two. Ranks number two, uh, similarly with Tennessee and Ole Miss, three and four. The top four are staying the same. They've all got the job done. Number five, though, is Wake Forest, nine and zero, beating up on some bad teams, but really badly beating up on them. And uh, that's why they're fifth here, jumping up a little bit. Uh, Florida at six, another team, great lineup, and um, man, that two way guy who had three homers the other day. Oh ridiculous. yeah, I saw it. I'm blanking on his name though. Me too. It's something odd. Uh, if you think of it, you can you can shout it out. But uh, number seven, Vandy moves up a little bit. They're five and three, but they took a couple from uh, 17th rank UCLA. So they're back up there. Uh, Arkansas, a classic. Eastern Carolina, another classic, also five and one. Um, just gradually moving up because those are the blue bloods. And number 10, TCU, even though they're four and three, a lot of ranked opponents. So they're keeping them alive. And uh, I'm excited to see a lot of the guys we know. It should be an exciting year. You know, one of the first years where we don't have to worry about COVID as much in college sports. We don't have to worry about travel, uh, 27-year-old red shirts. Uh, it's it's going to be some good baseball. So I'm excited. Yeah. And that's going to do it for halftime unless you got something. I will say, I just feel like the college baseball, they're, I like how they've taken the top rankings so far this year where they're not really, you know, freaking out over mm-hmm. a couple team, a couple teams losing two out of three or something like that. They're, they're keeping pretty steady with these rankings so far. And I expect to see more drastic changes as we get into March and, and April, of course, too. Yeah. Let's see some of those big West teams get ranked. Exactly. Huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to do it for halftime. All right, he's sending it back to the second half now where we are talking basketball and our top 10 current NBA players. Let's just get right into the list. Do you have any honorable mentions that you want to mention before we get into the top 10? 
I do. I got four guys that need to be mentioned. It's Kawhi Leonard. We talked about him earlier. He's still got it, man, as long as he doesn't get hurt. Damian Lillard and Donovan Mitchell, two pure scorers having great years. And Shaq Gilgis-Alexander, a guy who could be on this list next year. But uh, it kind of surprised us. I have a few guys I'd like to mention, too. Uh, First off is Donovan Mitchell, who is a great scorer, just not putting up his crazy stats uh, with being – you know, on a, on a team that's a lot better than what that Utah yeah. team was. Uh, next up is Shea, who is really, really good. He's putting up 31 points per game right now. And I think if they get him on, get him another star yeah. or Chet develops once he's healthy, he could be a guy who averages 30 and like eight assists a game with four or five rebounds, uh, which would be pretty good and probably put him in the top 10 on this list at some point. Uh, next up is Pascal Siakam, a guy who okay. doesn't get a Respect. ton of love. Uh, yeah. I don't think he's a top 10 player, but he's pretty close. Uh, and the last guy I want to mention is Jimmy Butler, who doesn't put up crazy stats, but does the big stuff when it counts and means the right. most. Uh, so that's my last honorable mention. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the top 10. All right. Number 10. You can love him. You can hate him like Kyle and I but he is so exciting to watch. It's John Morant. I, I got the uh, TNT halftime show for the Lakers Memphis game. And they pulled up a, a tweet right now, right as we're doing this that said, man, uh, watching John Morant just reminds me of Derek Rose. And I agree. He's so explosive. He's got to make the list. He's the top point guard out of, out of the honorable mentions. Number 10 for me is going to be where I put Kawhi Leonard. He had a rough start to the year, but over this past month or two, he's starting to turn it back up again. And when he's fully healthy, Kawhi is truly one of the best players in the league. And we've seen that multiple times when he is fully healthy. He just hasn't been over the last few years. Next up, number nine. Number nine, I'm going to go with Devin Booker. He's kind of the top tier of the players who just quite aren't the athletic slash scoring freaks. He is ridiculous. We saw it on Sunday night. He hit uh, what could have been a game winner, but they ended up losing to Milwaukee anyways. Um, but Devin Booker's so clutch, man. He's a top 10 player in my opinion. Number nine for me is going to be where I put Dame, probably one of the top three or four pure scores in the game right now. Uh, just he's so good, but he's not, he's not higher than these other guys on this list. Uh, but nine, I feel like is a good spot for him. Okay. Number eight, Kevin Durant. I think you feel a similar way. Uh, I know we, he hasn't played much this season, but when he comes back, he's a top 10 player automatically. I feel like, so mm-hmm. this felt like a good spot, especially since who I have over him. It'll make more sense when we get there. But uh, these two guys, yeah. Number eight is where I put uh, Joel Embiid. It might be a little bit low for a lot of people. However, I believe Joel is not as good as what he could be. And I think if he put all of his stuff together, that he'd be a guy that could average a legitimate 35 and 13 and five assists and four blocks, not four blocks, but three blocks. But I just feel like he gets a little bit lazy sometimes. And some stuff that he does just doesn't feel like he's exerting as much effort as he could. Maybe that's part of him just being so big uh, that it just becomes tough. But uh, I have him at eight but he's one of the most dominant players in the NBA. And I feel like that has to be mentioned. Number seven, number seven, Stephen Curry. I, I still believe he's a top 10 player. He's the greatest shooter of all time. 
he was averaging about 30 points per game before he got hurt multiple times. And uh, my six, seven, eight is all very similar. I guess one more time, I'll wait for my next pick. So you went for the younger guys at the higher spot. I understand it. Yeah. Uh, Number seven, I went with Jason Tatum. I'm a huge fan of Jason Tatum. I love watching him play. Uh, I think seven is, it feels like it's a low spot for him. But when you look at the other six guys that are ahead of him, it kind of makes a lot more sense. Uh, He's a guy that will probably win an MVP at some point in his career. And at least I hope he does. Uh, Maybe he won't if Jokic just continues being Mm -hmm. Nikola Jokic. But Jason Tatum is, is such a fun player to watch for me. And I think outside of Steph and outside of a few other guys, he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league. Number six. Number six, I have LeBron James. And maybe it'll make some more sense in my list now because I have six, seven, eight as LeBron, Steph Curry, and KD. I just didn't feel like I could put the older guys in the top five. Uh, I'd rather trust this five in a late game situation. Obviously, in the finals, I'm taking Steph Curry. That's not what I mean. But uh, in a every night scoring opportunity, they they just miss. They just miss. Number six for me is where I'm going to put Luca. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Luca, and I hate putting him outside the top five. But I feel like the top five guys deserve a little bit more respect as far as where their ranking should be and what they've done for themselves. Uh, Luca. If he played great defense, he would be probably the number one guy on this list. Because as far as offensive ability goes, him and Jokic are one and two, and it's not really close right now. He's a great passer. He's a great rebounder. He's obviously a great scorer. But he just can't play defense. So he sits at number six. Okay. On to number five. Number five is where I have Joel Embiid. I think he does make the cut, but I do agree with you. What I where I differ is he's still doing insane things that we can't ignore, and that's why he makes the top five. Uh, I mean, a guy his size making that many free throws—it's never happened before. It's true. Number five for me is going to be where I put Kevin Durant. Uh, when healthy, this guy is the best scorer in the league as far as dominance goes. Uh, maybe he's not the you know the passer or the rebounder that he could be. Uh, as far as getting older, I feel like that's kind of when players start to mature on, on that aspect and start passing the ball more and, you know, become a better passer, like just in general. Uh, but KD doesn't need to do that. He's a guy who's, if he's fully healthy, could be a guy who drops 32 to 35 points per game. Uh, I don't know if we'll see that with the Suns just because there's only one basketball and he's going to be on the team with Devin Booker, who's putting up a ton of points, DeAndre Ayton, who's getting probably 18 to 20 points per night, and Chris Paul, who's still a ball-heavy guard at this point. So I go KD at five. On to number four. Number four is where I have Luka. He's amazing. He will win an MVP at some point. I th- I think you said that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. He's He's not as fast and doesn't play as much defense as he should. But I mean... I, I feel like my top five year could honestly go in any order. This is just how I prefer them. So it's not any backlash at Luca for being four instead of two or something. That's that's where my head's at. Yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting talk when you look at the guys and try to order these people because it's really, really tough to, especially when they don't play the same position, it makes it even harder. Yeah. Uh and so, yeah, if, if your favorite player is at eight and 
somebody else puts them at two, that doesn't mean that they're like fucking disrespecting them or anything mm-hmm. like that. It just yeah. means that, you know, they look at them a different way than you do. And so uh, number four for me is going to be where I put Nikola Jokic. Jokic is one of my favorite players to watch too. And I said, I've said that for a ton of guys on this list, yeah. but he is truly just so, even though it doesn't really make sense, he's very elegant in the way that he plays basketball. Cause it feels so nonchalant how he's playing. And people might say that he's lazy and stuff like that, but he's just not coordinated. Like that's his thing is that he's just not a guy that can go sprint like out of nowhere or anything like that. He's just not that coordinated. However, Everything that he does looks super easy. He scores with ease. He rebounds like a monster. He is probably the best passer in the league as of right now. And he's a two-time MVP, about to be three times. So give me Jokic at four. On to number three. Number three is where I have Jason Tatum. I have him over some of the older guys, the legends, if you will. Um, just because I don't think people realize how much experience he actually has in the playoffs. He's not a young guy anymore, man. He he's hitting his prime and he's dangerous. So he's my number three. Yeah. I think he, he rushed a little bit, not rush rush isn't the right word for it, but he got into his prime a bit earlier because he went to the conference finals, his rookie year. Mm -hmm. And he had that big block over LeBron, uh, or dunk on LeBron in game seven of that. They ended up losing, but just being that far in the playoffs when you're so young, I feel like is a very maturing thing for him. Uh, number three, though, for me is where I'm going to put Steph. Uh, when healthy, man, this guy is unstoppable. And there's a reason why he's broken so many records and he's been around for so long. It's because he's so damn good. Uh, his rebounding, you know, he's a point guard. He's 6'2". Obviously, he's not going to be putting up crazy yeah. numbers. He's a great passer when he needs to be. He's the best shooter there's ever been. And he's one of the best decision makers uh, in the game too. You don't see him chucking up random shots unless they go in. He's not going to overshoot his, his field goals that he should be. He's not going to take shots away from the guys on his team. He's going to make the right play very consistently. Consistently. And that's why I have step at number three and not lower on this list. Okay. On to number two. Number two, Nikola Jokic. Everything you said, man, it's kind of magical watching him play basketball. Honestly, you you don't think these things are possible. And what I love so much about him is he's probably the first guy since Tim Duncan that at the end of the game, he honestly has no idea what his numbers look like. He's just out there having fun, man, trying to get the win. That's yeah. all that matters for him. And it's working. Whatever he did mentally is working for him right now. Mm. So he's about to win uh, his third MVP. Yeah, I wish with Jokic, though, that we saw is I wish we got to see him like happy or pissed off or like pumped up more often because he's just so just like clean faced the entire time as far as what he's showing expression wise. There's nothing coming out there, which is a little bit interesting. Uh, Number two, though, on my list is going to be where I put LeBron uh, at this point in his career, averaging 30 points per game this season is insane. I think he's the smartest player in the NBA. He's one of the best passers in the NBA, and he still rebounds great for a 6'8 guy uh, in the league at this point who is like 39 years old or whatever how old he is. Uh, So LeBron, the second greatest player of all time and the second best player in the NBA right now. Moving on to number one. It's Giannis. Obviously, right, Kyle? 
Yeah, I, I have Giannis too. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, he is the strongest player in the league. You can't stop him when he's driving to the paint. It'd be nice if he could shoot. Obviously, he'd be mm. the most unstoppable player in the if, league. But, it, before you get into, it, I will yeah, say yeah, with Giannis, yeah, yeah. the funny thing about this, I have him at number one too. Yeah. But I feel like out of anybody on this list, he has the most glaring issues too. Like his ability to not shoot stands out so much, but he's so good at everything else that it makes it not matter. If he was able to shoot, holy fuck, save us all, because that dude would be dropping 45 that's, that's every Victor single Victor Wimanyama, game. right? If he exactly. can fall out and hit his prime, right, without getting hurt. Yeah, yeah. it'd be crazy. Uh, sorry for interrupting, but do you have anything else that you want to say? I mean, not really, man. We all know it's Giannis. Um, it, it's kind of – I like to to play this game where it's like if you would replay this guy's career 100 times, is this the best version? Is this the worst version? I think it's the best version, to be honest. And uh, and we get to watch it almost every night. He's amazing. He won a finals by himself, man. That doesn't happen in the NBA. Awesome. By himself is a little, a little much. Maybe a little bit disrespectful. Without a super team, Middleton and Drew Holiday. It's a damn I like those guys, but you know what I'm of saying. Of course, but it's not. Yeah. It's definitely not going to be like a, you know, like a, a KD Booker or like a Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown mm-hmm. type duo or Luca Kyrie. I guess if they make it, Donovan Mitchell actually doesn't really have anybody now <laughs> at this point. Uh, but you get what 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 Skyler's yeah. trying to say there. Uh, all right. So that gets to our top 10 list. Uh, what about the worst player in the NBA? Well, it's not James Wiseman anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Dylan Brooks. That's, that's, that's the worst player in the NBA. Okay. Um, honestly? Is there some kind of big man for like the Wizards who – oh, no, Johnny Davis. Johnny, Johnny Davis, Davis is a great pick, yeah. Skyler. That I was trying to think of like pick. a uh, like a Ilyasova type guy, like some old guy that we don't even realize is still in the league as like a twelfth man. Udonis has him. That's a point. That's a good point right there. There we go. Yeah. All right. Let's get let's get to the layups and bold predictions <laughs> and get on out of here. Uh, last week we went two for three because I didn't have a bold prediction and I still don't yes. this week because I just think it's tough to with these NBA games. Uh, but this past week I got my layup right with Philly minus four versus Memphis. That was a close game, but they pulled uh, above that four late mm. in the game. Skyler had Golden State plus four and a half versus the Lakers first game of the second half. Ron ended up playing blown yeah. out in that game. So that did mm. not work out well. Uh, this week for my layup, I decided to go Miami plus one versus Philly tomorrow. Yesterday they played and Philly lost in Philly against Miami this time they're playing in Miami against the same team it's a team who has had their number pretty well these last few years so I'm picking Miami uh as dogs I guess in this interesting (laughs) well I'm going with some college basketball here Arizona Wildcats money line they're playing at USC pretty similar record but Arizona one of the best offenses in the nation 80 something points per game uh there's no spread out yet because college does it daily but I imagine it'll be somewhere between three and five, but uh, I'm going with the Wildcats on the road. There you go. Moving on to bold predictions. Last week, Skyler had Denver 
winning at Cleveland to start the second half as plus 118. So not the craziest odds, but still a good pick there. Still surprised they were underdogs, for sure. Yeah. Uh, this week, you got an interesting one on here, Skyler. You, you very much do. I know. Uh, so this kind of stems from uh, my 2K rebuilds recently, but I'm going to have the Spurs snapping their 16-game losing streak, which they have two more games until this, so it could be 18, against the Pacers. There's just there's something about the Pacers and the Spurs. Um, I know the Spurs are trying to lose and everyone's hurt, but I think there's a chance they could they could rise up against the Pacers. And uh, I know we they've probably been saying this for about two weeks now, <laughs> but um, I'm going to take a shot. Like you said, there's not a whole lot of bold prediction going on until baseball season starts. But yeah. uh, I'm going to take a shot on uh, on Coach Pop, man. Let me look at this Spurs schedule, and I want you to tell me yeah. who was the last team oh. that they beat, and what day was that? Jesus, man. Um, it was in January, right? Yes, and I will say yeah. it took Keldon Johnson to drop 36 in this game for them to get a win. Was it a Western Conference team? It was not a Western Conference team. Oh, okay. It's a team the, that has a very similar colorway to the Nets. Fuck, I just said it. Oh, my God. I was going to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. It was the Nets. When was it, though? Can you say uh, that? I don't know. January 11th? January 17th. Okay. So it's been wow. over a month at this point. Yeah. Uh, and before that, uh, before their 14-game, 16-game losing streak, whatever they were on, uh, they also lost five games before that. So they've been really bad for a long time now at this point. They're lucky that they won so many games at the beginning of the year, or they would be on that like 2010's Bobcat yeah. race. Uh, oh, well. Tough, uh, hopefully they get Victor for their case. Uh, but that's going to yeah. do it for episode 129. We will see y'all yeah, next week for episode 130, bro. Yeah, we'll have a. Uh some some conference uh tournaments for college basketball some world baseball classic talk i'm sure and uh hopefully some people get signed in the nfl huh oh De'Aaron yeah. Payne got franchise tag we didn't mention that uh, that did happen carson once got cut yeah, yeah i was too. shocked to see that but then uh, i thought about it and then i wasn't shocked anymore <laughs> marcus Mariota got cut and i think next <laughs> week actually is our free agency predictions all righty. So we're going to have a fun time next week, Mama. Oh, yeah. We got probably 25 guys that we'll go over, maybe 20. I don't mm-hmm. think this Braden class is anything too crazy. Uh, Some running backs. Uh, but that should be fun. Some yeah. Corners. Leonard Fournette also got cut. Yeah. Uh, but he did say that he requested to be cut. So I guess that Man. makes sense. I got a work meeting 9 a.m. next Tuesday, too. Oh, I was like, well, God. if it's before before a certain time, I guess I can go. So, uh, yeah. cut him off. All righty. Well, let's go, Team USA, man. Team yeah. USA. Go Spring A's, the new Oakland. That's true. Adios. Peace. <laughs>